Hey, tada, South Africa. Hey, tada, Africa. Hey, tada, friends all over the world. Wherever you're listening from, welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Simply Label podcast. I'm your host, Simply Label. Some of you might be asking themselves, what manner of greeting is this? Hey, tada. <laughs> well, if like me, you grew up in the townships of South Africa, you know exactly what that means. But in case you don't know, it is a popular township lingo for hello. I must admit though, depending on context, it can also take on other meanings. For example, where I'm from, if you are in agreement with someone about something, you'd, you'd likely respond with a tada which in this context means um, or would mean that I I got you, I got you, and um, we're on the same page. (laughs) I was born and bred in a small town in the northwest province of South Africa called Potschiffstrom, more specifically in a township called Ikachen, which is actually a very profound name that that means build yourselves up, literally. How profound is that? So, my hometown is a cosmopolitan town in its own right, I dare say, owing to, you know, the diversity of cultures and lingos in and around it. Thanks to the gold mining boom in the late 1800s, many people from around the country would have migrated to what is now called Johannesburg, or more popularly known uh, in South Africa as the City of Gold. In this uh, eminent migration, you know, some would have uh, landed up in and around the northwest province, that is my province. And my town specifically is located about 140 kilometers south of Johannesburg. So, inevitably, with a mix of cultures living side by side, a new lingo would be born, which often identifies one township from another. So, the next time I greet and say a tada, you will know exactly where it comes from, right? At least from my perspective. (laughs) I want to take this moment briefly to appreciate every single one of you for taking your time and data. My fellow South Africans (laughs) know where I'm coming from. Uh, For tuning in and um, listening to the first two episodes over the last two weeks. The feedback we've been getting has been nothing short of spectacular and amazing. Your feedback and support are both humbling and incredibly encouraging. It is a validation of the work we put in um, into what I believe is my calling in life, that is to raise leaders everywhere from all walks of life. Friends, I'm particularly excited about this week's episode and I cannot wait to get straight into it. Allow me to start with the following quote, and I open quote. The critical skill of this century is not what you know. It is how to access what other people know. Close quote. This is by Professor C.K. Pralat from the University of uh, Michigan, one of the uh, top-ranking leadership thinkers in the world. 
So this quote inspired me to write two episodes with this one being the first. And I'm confident that many of us listening will be transformed and challenged by the content of these two episodes. So today we kick off a two-part series that I would like to call The Multiplier Leader. Yes, The Multiplier Leader. Five years ago, a friend of mine and a colleague of mine, uh, so he's both a friend and a colleague, recommended a book titled Multipliers by Liz Weissman of the Weissman Group. From the moment I got my hands on my own copy, I want to tell you I simply could not put it down. So powerful were the insights from this book that they would transform the way I thought about leadership and I thought about myself really as a leader. Needless to say, I've been a different leader since. I believe great leaders are readers. So I've read a number of books in my leadership journey. Most of them are great. Really, most of them are great. But there was something unique about this particular book, something unique, practical, and challenging um, that really stood out for me. Before we get into the insights of the book, um, which obviously, as I indicated earlier, gave rise to this episode, allow me to give credit to and to introduce the author, Liz Weissman. Liz Weissman is a researcher and an executive advisor who teaches leaders around the world. She's a former executive at the Oracle Corporation and uh, author of three best-selling books, Multipliers, The Multiplier Effect, as well as Rookie Smarts. Her latest book, titled Impact Players, is also one for the history books. It was released in 2021. Liz has been... uh, listed on the Thinkers 50 rank, uh, ranked and uh, named uh, one of the top leader, leadership thinkers in the world. So, folks, we are talking about a real leadership guru here. So, as I immerse myself into this book, you know, in, in about 2018... I realized that what gave rise to the book was a thorough research which Liz and her research partners and team conducted. With a lingering question, or if you're an academic, you would probably say the hypothesis being, why are some leaders, um, you know, or maybe let me put it this way, why some leaders drain capability and intelligence from their teams while others amplify them to produce better results. Let me repeat that. Why some leaders or do some leaders drain capability and intelligence from their teams while others seem to amplify them to produce better results? That is the lingering question which this particular research was seeking to, you know, to answer or to disprove as it were. So the team set out to survey well over about 150 uh, executives and leaders from all walks of life across four continents of the globe, including Africa. Some of them were top execs in the corporate world, pastors of churches, 
seasoned and uh, well accomplished you know basketball coaches rugby coaches uh, you know here and there a ceo you know and founder of a silicon valley innovation company you know a director of global design at the world famous nike um, you know and the list goes on and on the diversity of this sample size you know certainly for me it really gave me the comfort that the insights would not only be credible but also one can extract a great deal of value out of them the overarching outcome of the research um, for me identified two types of leaders and this is where it gets meaty and exciting these type of leaders would be called a multiplier and a diminisher with respondents to the to the uh, you know survey identifying a multiplier leader as a leader who got the most output and intelligence from them this is how they identify a diminisher as being a leader whose way of leading led to a diminished intelligence and output for the people that um, they worked with the research team asked respondents two very simple questions are you ready for this <laughs> this is exciting question number 1 would be what did your diminisher or multiplier do that's question number 1 what did he do he or she do so in other words what were the observable behaviors uh, you know from someone that you regarded as a multiplier leader that you have worked with or someone that you regarded as a diminisher leader that you have worked with in your experience what do they actually do right which i think it's important number 2 the second question was how much intelligence did he or she get out of you on a scale of 0 to 100 of course with 0 being the least amount of output or intelligence and 100 being of course they really got everything out of me they pulled out the best out of me i i felt i was getting smarter and more productive working with this particular leader right does it make sense i i encourage you to get your your hands on 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 your own copy of this you can get it from all uh, credible bookstores including online as well so now we're getting into the meaty and more exciting part of today's episode i i know some of you are already asking what were the findings lebo what were the findings and um what can i learn from them hey to ensure that we don't rush in you know rush this particular episode um and take away from the quality of the insights allow me for the purpose of this episode to only focus on the diminisher leader the findings as it relates to this type of leader then what we will do in part 2 which i will publish next week um we will then deal with the multiplier leader in great details uh, with some practical examples is that okay fantastic fantastic what were the findings as it relates to a a diminisher leader so diminishers as the findings would show um operate from a perspective or a core belief uh, an outlook that people won't figure it out without me let me repeat that there is there seems to be a fundamental um you know core belief that drives um you know a diminisher type of leader that says uh, 
you know what, if I'm not involved in this, if I'm not uh, part of everything that happens, people will simply not figure it out without me. And because that is, that seems to be their core belief, according to their, their, their findings, their core belief, they then displayed the following behaviors, or they did as follows. There are five distinct ones. There, there are plenty others, but there are five which seemed to be the most common, um, you know, across all of the respondents that, um, that were surveyed. Number one, because their core belief is that people will not figure it out without me, they did the following. They micromanage everything. They micromanage every detail. So they are a micromanager. I don't know about you. If you've worked with a leader who is a micromanager, oh goodness, it can be extremely frustrating and suffocating. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Some of you are already thinking of a name and you're saying, oh goodness, oh, is that what it is? So yeah, hey, so officially I can call that guy or that lady, boss lady, a diminish. No, 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 please uh, do not, do not. Do not use any names. But in essence, to, to get back on track, uh, because their, their core beliefs drives them to be a micromanager. They micromanage every piece of the detail, every project, every task, everything has to run through them. And that, that unfortunately stifles a lot of progress. It diminishes uh, the morale of individuals and the team. And, and it, just, it, it just becomes... Uh, extremely suffocating uh, to the team uh, that 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 are being led by by this kind or with this kind of uh, uh, leadership style. Are you ready for number two? Number two is the following: they because again I want to link it back to their core belief. They believe that people will not figure things out without me. So they become then the sole decision maker. They are the decision maker. They decide first. Even when they come to meetings, they've already prepared all the slides, everything. They come and they say, this is um, what we need to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And this is the output we're looking for. Uh, any questions? <laughs> so they decide first and then they debate later. And what this unfortunately does is um, it cripples the intelligence in the room. So people come to meetings and they start uh, disengaging. People show up at work and they simply become uh, people who follow, you know, orders because the boss has uh, made all the decisions. And even if I have a great idea as a team member, uh, you know, I know that uh, I cannot just simply run with it. I've got to run it through, you know, the boss. Even if I'm sitting here and I'm seeing flaws in how we're doing things, with time, um, I end up... Um, probably not even wanting to, 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 to engage as much because, you know, I know the boss is, uh, has got his own way of doing things and he's already decided that's how he's, he or she is going to do it. So, so, so this, again, I, I don't need to tell you how, uh, how incredibly difficult it makes it for team members uh, because uh, there's no creativity in the room. Everything has to run through the boss. Um, everything, you know, regardless of what the ideas in the room are, uh, you know, uh, the boss has decided. Number three, are you ready? They know it all. They, they come to tell people what to do. They don't ask. You know, I found one of the most powerful leadership traits for me. I've had to learn this, by the way. I haven't always known it or practiced it. Um, I probably operated, you know, because generally we lead the way we've been led. You know, leadership is role modeled most of the time. 
so you know in my early stages as a leader i would come in and i say hey passionately so with great intention so this is the direction this is what i would like us to do and then i realized you know, with every meeting and every engagement people become quieter and quieter why because the last thing people hate is to be told what to do you know when you hire someone uh, you don't hire them uh, you know because you just want to instruct them you know unless you're looking for a very routine you know type of individuals who just comes and you press the button and they do what you want them to do but people prefer or people flourish where their input is being invited so instead of being a tell all leader or a leader that that just simply tells people what to do perhaps you know you should begin to ask so the diminisher doesn't do that they come in and say hey man i i'm i'm a genius at this thing i know i know what needs to be done so get on with it get on with it they tell and they don't ask right i don't need to tell you what the impact of that looks like number 4 are you ready number 4 they are a tyrant or they tend to to display you know very uh, tyrant type of tendencies and you know what this does it creates stress in the work environment it creates stress that 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 ends up uh, stopping or uh, prohib- prohibiting best thinking or thinking at all you know people people leave their brains at home when they're working uh, with a tyrant because uh, hey what's the point of thinking uh, you know our thinking will not be taken into consideration our ideas will be deemed useless in any case so let's go out there and wait to be told what to do and uh, we do that full stop because anything else that does not align with the leader's thinking um you know is deemed as rebellion so why think let's just do all right and by the way i'm preparing an episode i'm just giving you a, a low down uh, you know uh, later on which i believe you're going to laugh uh, i almost let the cat out of the bag but i think you're going to you're going to laugh but in essence it deals with uh, how to create space for people to bring their thinking caps to to work all right so they are a tyrant uh, they're a tyrant and tyr- you know, being a tyrant some of you are, again you're thinking of somebody you're like you <laughs> i can relate to this uh, can i raise my hand and be the first one to say i can definitely relate to this again no no names are going to be mentioned <laughs> number five um and that's the final one i want to give you on this part of the the segment they are an empire builder let, let me let me just correct or, or clarify something at this point so a diminisher leader is not necessarily somebody who is um, uh, you know who, who does not have a high IQ or who is who is just you know out to get people no generally they operate from a from a, from a good heart and generally they are people who are actually uh, somehow experts in what they do but because of that um, you know unfortunately it becomes a blessing and a curse in that uh, they often are able to identify talent and bring it into the team but once the talent is there um you they they hoard the talent because the talent makes them go- look good and and they but unfortunately with that comes underutilization of the talent so they don't believe that talent must benefit the entire organization they believe that the talent must benefit them and make them look good so they are uh, they tend to be empire builders so with these type of behaviors what is the impact what is then the output remember that scale from 0 to 100 that i spoke about what does it then produce these are the findings right as i conclude on this piece of the findings on the on a diminisher on average 
the, the diminisher leader, only got about 48% output and or intelligence from their teams on a scale of 0 to 100, 48%. That is below average. Needless to say, this kind of leader generally, generally, um, you know, ran a team of people that became disgruntled, that became disengaged and dissolutioned. And, um, and of course, uh, as the evidence from this research would, would prove, they got significantly, um, you know, uh, less output um, from, from, from people as opposed to the people that were working with the multiplier leader. In closing, uh, friends, let me say the following. I want to summarize uh, some of these practical things, uh, you know, observable behavior so that, so that they hit home for many of us that are listening. Let me summarize them. So take some notes on this, if you will. Otherwise, listen to this podcast over and over until, until you can identify either yourself or a leader that you've worked with. Or, but most importantly, I want people to walk away from this podcast and say, who if you know if i see myself in this if i'm exhibiting this type of behaviors perhaps it's time for me to go back and change and in part two which is even more exciting you will hear what is then the behaviors that a multiplier leader exhibits which is quite frankly a polar opposite of what we've just learned today so in summary number one a diminisher leader assumes that only a few people are intelligent and of course <laughs> he or she is one of them. <laughs> Number two, a diminisher leader seems to be very much absorbed by his or her own intelligence. Um, in a way, they've got a bit of a God complex about them. True, I can say a whole lot more about that. But number three, let's move to number three. A, dimin a diminisher leader seems to stifle the growth and creativity of the team. Why? Because everything must run through them. Everything must run through them. There's nothing that goes in the team except with, with, with the boss's say-so. There's no green light from the boss, no idea, no project, no decision gets made. Number four, they dilute the team's or the organization's true intelligence. You know why? Because um, people, in essence, are not, are not allowed to think. Or if they do think, because generally people think, um, their ideas are shot down. You know, Liz Wiseman calls, calls it being given permission to think. And, I, and I'll talk a lot more about that when we speak about the multiplier next week. Number five, a diminisher creates a tense and fearful environment, thus unleashing the worst in others. I want you to un underline the two words, tense and fearful. Sure, nothing happens that is healthy and that is progressive in a tense and fearful environment. If you want the two, the two killers, the most potent killers of creativity, you know, engagement and great team spirit is tension and fear. Number six, a diminisher repels talent. So at first, you know, because they are such a great people in what they do when you start working with them or when they recruit you man you're like hey i think you know i can learn a lot from this leader but as time goes on and these behaviors take shape and you see, and they become a lot more consistent even the most talented of people start leaving the organization um, or at least the team 
of the diminisher. Why? Because you, you just feel yourself and your light going, growing dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Why? Because the only voice that is allowed to speak in the room is the, is the boss's uh, voice. Uh, by the way, I want to give you a little quote here. And um, for the life of me, I forgot who the, who the author of this quote was. But it goes as follows. I, I open quote. The most intelligent person in the room is the room. Close quote. A diminisher leader believes, whether consciously or subconsciously, that they must have the first and the last word in every engagement, in every conversation. And that eventually repels talent. And they are left with only survivors who just barely make it, uh, you know, to do enough to get the boss out of their hair. I, I know many of us can relate to that. The last point I want to leave you with. The diminisher leader takes all the credit when things are going well and deflects all the blame when things are going south. Some of you, I know, you can relate to this. Shoo! There you have it, folks. I'm certain that some of us... Um, we're reflecting on uh, our own experiences and thinking, you know, of some names. And perhaps some of us are even seeing ourselves in this, uh, uh, you know, in this engagement, in this chat, in this discussion um, and unpacking that we've just had. Right. I know certainly, um, you know, I, I do identify with some of these things and I'm consistently working on them so I can improve. I trust this has been insightful, friends. Please join us in part two next week of the series um, as we look deeper now into unpacking the multiplier leader. You don't want to miss this. Please follow us uh, on Spotify and continue to share our link with your network so we can impact more and more people as we raise leaders everywhere. Thank you for joining us today. This is Simply Lebo. See you next week. A-ta-da. Hey,